0: I'm glad to be here. If you don't recognize me, I'm Kyle. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm Glad to see here, see everybody's smiling faces. Um, if you're wondering where have I been, right? Andy said he was going to send me a nasty email. <laughs> uh, if you're wondering where I've been uh, for work, uh, I had two weeks in Turkey back in, in May. So I'm uh, finally back on the right clock. So. Um, when I landed coming back from Turkey, I got a text message from my wife. It was about ten o'clock, and it said, "Everybody's fine, but Levi's in the ER. He won't stop throwing up, and you know, he ended up having a stomach bug. So that's how I came back from my thirty-hour travel days. to We all got the stomach bug, so that was that was fun. So that, we missed one week in there because we had a stomach bug. So we didn't want to give it to y'all. So that was Uh, And then I was, we were blessed to have some vacation, some family time at my family's ranch. And I turned right around and go to New York for two weeks. Came back, and then beach trip. So, I don't wanna go anywhere besides Chick-fil-A tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanna be home. I am glad to be home. God is good, isn't he? We could say I had a kind of rough couple months with travel, but we've had some folks here in Almost don't go through some some difficult days. And yet we can also say God is good. We have the praise report from Andres. Uh, we've got a text message out of the blue saying Ted is having some heart rhythm troubles and doctors are able to get his heart rhythm back to where it needs to be. So God is good. Even in the midst of uncertainty and struggles, he is good. In the midst of having all these difficulties and struggles, and you know, this summer we're going through our favorite passages. The image of the image of a shepherd just watching over us and guiding us through, leading us through the difficulties, kept going through my mind. And frankly, that's what I I wanted and needed God. Lead me through this season. And so tonight we're gonna be looking at the good shepherd. So we got a physical Bible, Psalm twenty-three. If you have to settle for a digital Go ahead and navigate to, to Psalm 23. As we're flipping there, anybody have any shepherding experience? Chickens, goats, cows? Yep, what, chickens?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had
0: Okay, I, I grew up helping my dad raise cattle. I'll so help him out every now and then. Um, anybody, class hamster, rabbit, maybe that'll qualify. Thinking about a good shepherd and what uh, what a good shepherd is and should be, uh, I can couldn't help think of thinking of my dad as he helped me. He trained me in how to raise animals. And so, I want to present just a little scenario of what a shepherd would have to deal with day to day. So can I get, can I get a couple of volunteers? Andrew, just immediately. Thank you. No, man, the, the goat's already filled. I need a steadfast, steady person, faithful, immovable. You're going to be a fence post. Okay, I'm come this way. All right. This is one fence post. This is another one. Arms this way. This is barbed wire, so be careful. Okay. This is a gate. So Clint, you're gonna be. Uh, you're gonna play two parts. So come this way. Okay. So we're moving. We're moving the herd from pasture A to B. How do we do that? You honk the horn, dump out some food, and the cows know, come this way, right? <laughs> they know the shepherd is gonna take care of them. Now, Clint is gonna play the part of a, uh, a good mom cow. <laughs> this is what happens when you raise your hand without... <laughs> I'm gonna be the, the baby calf, all right? <laughs> all right, we have fence this way, fence that way, there's a gate. So you run through the gate and go get food. I'm following. I stop in the gate. For some reason I get scared. Uh, and Clint Clint stays over here. I go over here, but I get scared. And I go, meh. <laughs> and Clint Clint hears that and he goes he goes on this side of the fence. So I go, meh. Clint goes, meh. <laughs> okay. This is going to go on for a while, but we're going to chase each other down this fence line. Y'all see the problem? Food's over there. I'm running this way. There's just fence line that way. So, no, Thank you, guys. That was great. Thank you. So as, as the shepherd, what do you mean my dad have to do? have to go get out in front of them and bring them back. Because left to their own devices, they're going to just go sit in the corner, <laughs> mooing at each other while the food gets eaten. <laughs> See, they, they needed a shepherd to, to watch over them. Sometimes a the shepherd would get frustrated, right? Just go through the gate. We don't need all this drama. Just go through the gate. Well, Let's go ahead and read Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's interesting how you can read or look at a text for maybe the hundredth time and a different piece will pop out at you. In the season of life I've been in, just kind of tired, worn down, the beginning sticks out to me, those first few verses. I shall not want. I can be content because of where the Lord is leading me. I can trust in that. He makes me lie down in green pastures to good things, besides still waters, right? This is the verse that really... Stood out to me. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Anybody that just stick out to them, maybe they're going through some some difficult times, looking for the Lord, can you just restore me and carry me through this? I need some green pastures and and still waters. I'm tired of these burnt out pastures and rough waters. Maybe in a different season of life, the next Two verses stick out to you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? Maybe you've been in those difficult days where there has literally been a shadow of death over you. Maybe it's a loved one, or maybe it's yourself. Right? Even in the midst of the shadow falling on you, the shepherd is still there. He's still leading. He's looking back saying, you Are going to follow I know it's a dark, difficult day, but you can still follow. In the midst of fear and pain, we must follow. We must follow because God has promised He would not leave us. The author of Hebrews reminds us of this in similar fashion. He calls us to be content with what God has given and where he is leading. There reminds us not to fear because the Lord is our helper. This is Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. All right. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will fear not. What can man do to me? Anybody see similarities between those two verses? Maybe you hear something, same word, repeated over and over. You hear it, you see it, just shout it out. It's a little bit of fear. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my shepherd. Believers in, As believers in Christ... We are promised that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. This is a very interesting promise. Why? Because Jesus himself was forsaken in our place. Remember Jesus hanging on the cross? What did he cry out? Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Yet Jesus promises never to forsake us. He took that in our place on the cross. This is the faithful and good shepherd watching over his people. So while we're still in Psalm 23, if you've got a pen or you can make notes in your your app, write down John 10. We're going to bounce back and forth between John 10 and Psalm 23. So Go ahead and flip to John 10. And while you're flipping there, we're going to do a quick little recap of John chapter 9. Does anybody remember the story of the man who was born blind? Right? There's a man who's born blind, and Jesus does what? He heals him. He spits in the ground, does something, puts it over the man's eyes, and all of a sudden, he can see. Right, And that, that iconic line from the man is, The Pharisees are interrogating him. What happened? What did you do? Why, why, why? The man says, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. The Pharisees are trying to make sense of all of this. Who is Jesus? Who is this blind man? So let's flip back to John 9, verse 35. Don't worry, we'll get down to the shepherd in John 10. Jesus heard that they had cast him the man who had been healed, they cast him out. And having found him, so Jesus goes and finds this man. Sounds a lot like a shepherd. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answers, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Now some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, We see. Your guilt remains. So we have this man who's born blind, right? And through this healing and talking with the Pharisees, the Pharisees cast him out of the synagogue because they, they can't figure out they're saying, "Well, Jesus is God. He's kind of he's like God. He's of God. He's not of the devil." So the Pharisees cast him out. Right? This is a big deal in his culture, right? Because if somebody kicks you out of a church in our day, what do you do? Go down the street to the next one. Right? back in that day if you were cast out of the synagogue that was it you were, you were out you were out there was nowhere else to go. So this is where Jesus is coming to find him. He's been kicked out right Imagine you've never seen anything your whole life and in the days that you are healed and you see there's Jesus who heals you and then there's these Pharisees who interrogate you they cast you out. So Jesus finds the man and asks him the question do you believe in the son of man and I have to ask you that each of you that question tonight do you believe Jesus is who he claimed he was is he the son of God you can almost hear almost some exhaustion in the man's answer He's, he just says I don't know who he is but I want to believe in him right what does he say Says, "Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him?" Right? Who is he? Show me. Jesus says, "It is me, the person talking to you. You see me." And what is this man's response? He believes and he worships. It's such a simple model for us, right? We believe and we worship Jesus. It's a beautiful moment, it's a simple model for our lives. If we can do that every day, continuing belief in Jesus and worshiping him. So Jesus declares his mission was to give sight to the spiritually blind, sometimes even the physically blind. He goes so far as to say he would take sight from those who falsely claim to see. Who do you think Jesus could be referring to? The people who falsely claim that, oh, I can see, I understand. Who do you think he could be referring to? Kind of right on cue, the Pharisees chime in and ask, are are we blind? Are you saying we're blind? So you have this, this cast of characters. You have Jesus who's healing this man. You have this man's reaction, as belief and worship. Then you have the Pharisees who are still concerned about them. They're not concerned about Jesus. They're still concerned about me, me, me. And that's the setting for John 10. When we talk about the good shepherd. So one more little quick thing about shepherds back in the day. Right? Maybe you've got a study Bible that has a nice picture of a sheepfold, right? but we're going to refer to these different parts tonight. So this is a really nice one. This is like a Cadillac sheepfold deluxe. You've got that nice wall. You have a nice gate. Right? Anybody already know the whole purpose of this structure? Right? The shepherds would out during the day. They're taking the sheep by what? Food. Food and water. And at night you need to protect them, give them a place to sleep, so you herd the sheep in the sheepfold. Right? They're they're confined, right? They're not gonna run away. And then predators, a lot harder for them to get over the wall. So what is the shepherd doing? He's providing and he's protecting. Providing and protecting. And you'd have shepherds that would take turn watching over the over the opening there. So nobody wandered off, and the predators couldn't wander in and get the sheep. And they would go from sheepfold to sheepfold, from food to food. It's a lot more work than driving a truck around, honking the horn, and dumping out some food. So let's pick up in chapter 10. Jesus is still talking to the Pharisees and this man who's been healed. He's still there. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. All right, so there's a lot going on in this passage, but there's a couple of little bullet points about the shepherd. As you look back at it and you see anything about the shepherd, just just call it out. What do we see about about the shepherd? The sheep know him. The sheep know him, right? The gatekeeper knows him. The gatekeeper knows him, yeah. Anybody else? I I found five, right? Anybody see anything else? It goes before the sheep, yeah. Yes, that's a big one, yep. Calls them by name. Calls them by name, yep. My dad would do this with his cows. He would name them, right? One would have dots on their face, call them dotty, curly hair, curly seed. There's a big one that would push everybody around, Right, He knows them by name. So very quickly, he enters by the gate, not over the fence. The sheep are used to the shepherd going in and out through the gate, right? Anyone jumping over the fence would what? Startle the sheep. What was that? What are you doing? Right? It scare the sheep. It becomes obvious that anything coming over the wall has bad intentions. Right? Here to steal the sheep. Maybe maybe it's a predator. But then other shepherds just coming in and out of the gate. Right? The gatekeeper lets the shepherd in. Right? Probably another shepherd. Right? Make sure somebody's not stealing your sheep, right? Hey, Bob. How's it going? You taking them out today? Yeah. The ship the sheep hear his voice when he calls. All right? Anybody have a dog that would respond to your call? Say, hey Odie. Odie comes running, right? I had a dog named Samantha, we called her Sam. She would respond and she'd come running. Except Somehow the dog knew it's time to go to the vet. Anybody else's dog do that? Somehow they know, right? Something different about the leash, something. But they know the shepherd's voice. The shepherd knows the sheep by name, right? There's an ongoing relationship. There's history. There's stories of difficult and happy days. The shepherd knows the sheep he gives them a name. He leads them in and out. The shepherd leads the sheep out during the day to get food and water, takes care of their needs. He provides. He leads them back in at night for protection. He leads, they follow. So let's keep going down in verse seven. All right, and if you see something else about the sheep or about the shepherd, maybe you want to highlight it or keep a note of it. So we'll call him out here at the end. abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me." this charge I have received from my father right so there's a lot going on there right a lot of characters a lot of things going on right there's a whole other sermon we could do about about leaders but right now we're just going to focus on the shepherd and the sheep what what things did you see or hear about the shepherd? Right, and you may see a footnote there taking you to to Ezekiel I think, seventeen. Right? There's talk of a foolish shepherd, right? A bad shepherd, and that's described in the Old Testament. Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. What else? What else stands out that you see there? So it's not just but really mm-hmm. and it more than that's yeah, a pretty, pretty popular verse, and it's in the context of Jesus, our shepherd, providing for our needs and, and for our spiritual well-being as well as, as he pays the sacrifice to save us. What else? What else stands out? You've got, you've got a couple of Jesus' I am statements. He says, I am the door right if you go back to our little sheepfold picture he's saying i'm the only way in here there's no other way jesus would echo this sentiment again later by saying i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except by through me same same idea here no one gets into the fold or the family except through me right it says those who enter by me will be saved and find pasture right they'll be provided and cared for those who Dave called it out. They have life and have it abundantly. Here's the big one. He lays down his life for the sheep. Right? And here you already have Jesus referencing indirectly that he's going to lay down his life and resurrect. He says, the Father has given me power to lay down my life and take it back up. Jesus will demonstrate this later by Lazarus dies, and he says, What, well, Lazarus, get up? He has power over life and death. He's carrying out the will of his father. So this this is our good shepherd. All right, provision and protection. Does anybody need those in the area of their life? Jesus is the good shepherd. He makes great provision for us in our salvation, in the abundant life He provides. In contrast, the thieves and the wolves only come to kill, steal, and destroy. Who do you look to as the shepherd in your life? Who are you following? Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice do you know the most? Who do you look to for provision, for protection? Oftentimes we let good things, even bad things, take the place that Jesus should have in our lives. I've been guilty of that in my life. I'm like that little cow that was trying to go through the gate earlier. Whether it was fear, got spooked, or what, said, nope. I'm not going to follow. I'm going to go do my own thing, right? God has graciously let circumstances and seasons come into my life that, that reveal this in my heart. Hey, hey, Kyle, can you just slow down and address this? Right? Sometimes we look to a career, right? It's going to provide for us, right? I get that job, that benefit package, that boss, right, everything's gonna be fine, right? Um, (coughs) Anybody ever had a false job offer? I'm not gonna throw the company out there, but I've shared this a while back, right? I was job hunting, and I interviewed with a company, completely bombed the interview. Right, if you asked me what color the sky was, I would have said green, right? Just, just bomb the interview. So I'm like, okay, they're not calling back. Two months later, I get a call from the HR department and says, I'm here to extend you an offer, right? My wife and I have been praying, please, Lord, provide us a job. Lord, we, if we get this salary number, all of our needs are met. It, if, if everything lined up, it looked perfect. Right, my wife and I are making plans to move. We're looking at places to live. The next day, I get a call from him. He says, hey, uh, there's been a mistake. Should've never offered you that job. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> like, right? Thankfully, I still had my job at the time, but I was like, nope, not happening. Right? And as as difficult as that was, you know, God used that season to reveal, hey, you're putting too much stock in your job. Certainly, don't dismiss work. Work is a good thing. It's a blessing. It's a good thing to work. Do your work as unto the Lord. Right. But I was too wrapped up in I got to get this job with this prestige, this benefits, and whatever. My eyes had shifted from following God, looking to Him for my provision, as ah. This company, they'll take care of me. Alright, it's very subtle, very subtle. God graciously revealed it to me. Another season in my life where I'm looking for something and God graciously said, Hey, I need to correct that. Right? Looking for a spouse. Right? It's a good thing to be married, amen. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> some of y'all are going to get some elbows later, I think. Right? As I said before, I get to travel a lot, and this always reveals to me that, Kyle, it's, you need to be thankful. You're a blessed man to have your wife, Tracy. Right? Coming home to the house that and home she makes, it's a beautiful thing. But, rewind the clock 10 years. Pre-Tracy, if you get older, you kind of break your life down into pre-marriage and post-marriage, right? Don't really remember much before. Right? Spent a lot of time wondering, when is Miss Wright going to come along? Got to find her, right? And you start to think there's that subtle clock in your head. Oh, I'm about to graduate college. Right? We got to make something happen, right? And God had to, to work in my heart to say, hey, slow down. And he did it graciously. It was, val- was Valentine's Day at Crewe. And the speaker said, Guys, how many of y'all looking for Miss Wright? And we all raise our hand. You, you know what you're looking for, right? And, you know, godly woman, you know, smart, you know, all these different things. And then he asked, If she answered the door, if she knocked on the door and you answered, what in the world about you is going to make her stay? And that's when everything kind of flipped in my head, like, I need to become the a godly man that God needs me to be, for the sake of future marriage. It's not about finding Miss Wright. It's certainly important, but it was about growing in my relationship with God first. All right? There wasn't a magic formula. I didn't say I'm gonna wait two years, put a clock on it, challenge God, put a fleece out, whatever. Just said, God, I'm not gonna be looking. I'm not gonna be putting out the vibe or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just going to focus on my relationship with you and how I can serve at crew. And those were probably the biggest growth years of my life spiritually. Why? Cuz I was very focused. And then God honored that. He brought my wife kind of just alongside me. We just were serving in different areas. Oh hey. Hey girl. You know. <laughs> So that was an area God had to, to work in my heart with my career and my spouse, like, hey, you need to be a steward of those things, but you can't let that be your, your be-all, end-all. You need to be drawing close to me. Follow where I'm going. Uh-huh. So we try to wrap this up. Remember back to the man born blind? What was his response to Jesus? To put it in two words. Belief and worship. Belief and worship. Right? If you're if you're gonna follow the Good Shepherd, it's gonna take a lot of belief. Because there are a lot of there's a lot of rough days around. Sometimes there's a lot of seasons of waiting, but you know what? I'm going to trust the shepherd and go where he's leading. And along the way, I'm going to worship. It's interesting how when our belief wanes, what happens to our worship? I'm eh, not feeling that song. Right, Caleb, I'm not going to pledge. You know, whatever. Right, when everything, our belief is good, we, we worship one. Let our hearts be full of belief and worship. So as we close, we can all flip back to Psalm 23. We're going to read it all together, and then we'll close the a time of worship. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your provision and your protection in our lives, Lord. I pray that you would help each one here to to follow after you, to trust, to believe. Lord, and that as we whether we are walking beside those the gentle streams and the green pastures, or whether we are in the dark valleys, Lord. I pray that our belief would not waver and that our worship would not wane. Lord, I thank you and praise you for tonight. I thank you for each one here. I pray you would watch over them as they go, keep them safe. Lord, I pray you would bless our time together as we eat and fellowship. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name.